Welcome to Testify It, where we are sharing the love of Christ and building people up through testimonies and teaching. Our passion is to share how God is working in people's lives today. My name is Rhonda Wagner, and I'm a founder and board member at Testify It. In this series of testimonies, we are working in partnership with Locking Arms Men, a Pittsburgh-based ministry that's mission is to build an authentic community of men who love God, love one another, and love their neighbor. Today we have a testimony from their executive director, Leo Wisniewski, who is a man who loves the Word of God and loves people. While growing up, Leo had bought into three lies of manhood that shaped his focus in life. However, after going to college and meeting some men of God, his life changed forever. Welcome to Testify It. My name is Christopher Wagner. I'm a founder and board member at Testify It. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Leo Wisniewski. He's the executive director of Locking Arms Men. And he's going to share his testimony and the three, what is it, falsehoods of manhood? Welcome, Leo. Thanks a lot, Chris. It's great to be on Testify It today. Can you tell us a little bit about how you how you came to Christ? Absolutely, brother. Um, I grew up in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, moved here with my family in 1971. Uh, the Pirates had just won the World Series, and um, Steelers were beginning to make their turn. I was a, a sports nut, so this was a great place to land. You know, as a 13 year old young man, and um, I, uh, I I loved every sport. You know, I kind of. I love baseball. I, I love basketball, uh, but I really kind of zeroed in on football and wrestling. And um, uh, I had an older brother who was a good athlete. My brother Vince was four years older. I loved watching uh, him compete. I remember standing down on our high school field at Fox Chapel High and uh, uh, as a as an eighth grader. And uh, looking at my brother and his teammates and kind of feeling like they looked to me like they were the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I wanted so much to to be one of them. Um, But it was in sports that I really kind of gained my sense of validation as a man. And um, uh, I excelled in football and wrestling was was first team all state in football um i also won the heavyweight state championship in wrestling uh, my senior year um and uh i i by the time i was 17 or 18 years old i really had uh begun to embrace three lies about masculinity uh though i was a churchgoer all my life, my parents had me there every Sunday. Um, I had felt that church was a place where your character was formed, but uh, faith in God to me was really just an intellectual kind of ascent. And uh, so we celebrated Christmas. I knew that was the birth of Christ. We, we celebrated Easter. I knew that was when Jesus was raised from the dead, but those realities didn't penetrate my heart at all. And uh, my takeaway from the church 
was really just kind of character development. And I never knew a Christian who prayed and saw the power of God in answered prayer other than my mother. Um, I, I never knew one other than my mother who uh, moved the heart of God in that way. So uh, I was probably like a lot of kind of red-blooded American males um, in my late teen years. I, uh, I was filled with a lot of hormones, and um, I fueled that, those hormones uh, with pornography. And uh, I was introduced to pornography probably around age 15. And um, I remember when my brother went away to college, I got his uh, bedroom in the basement. And uh, I had a, a pretty private world down there. And uh, I, I had a few pornographic magazines. And that began to shape my, my thinking about women. Um, and, um, you know, the, the masturbation that accompanied, you know, looking at that pornographic material, you know, every day, probably, you know, when I was 16, 17 years old, really began to have, um, a, a pretty dark effect on, on my mind and my heart. Um, about my senior year in high school, once I had finished my, my football and wrestling experience, I, I began to drink beer. And, and some guys uh, at high school, they taught me how to drink beer. And that was not a good learned skill. Um, and, and that um, started me uh, in this binge drinking pattern. I could sneak into my house late at night uh, without my parents knowing it, they gave me a whole lot of trust because I was a good student. I didn't get into trouble in high school and these kinds of things. So I, I could drink and I could come home at midnight sneaking in downstairs, uh, you know, feeling the, the effects of, of alcohol in a big way, but yet staying under the radar with my parents. When I Went to Penn State my freshman year. That binge drinking continued, um, but I I excelled uh, on the football team. Uh, I was a second team linebacker that freshman year, and we had a great team. Um, and I got to play in every game um, because that team was so good. I often got to play large portions of of the second half. And um, was really, in one way, kind of on cloud nine in terms of my football experience. But there was a growing emptiness uh, inside me. I had kind of given myself fully to, to partying two nights a week, Wednesday night and Saturday nights were the big party nights at Penn State. Uh, and practice was very easy on Thursdays. And uh, Sundays after games, we had uh, a weightlifting commitment, but I, I could kind of get myself through that. Um, and uh, the binge drinking was really masking a deep emptiness in me. And um, there were three lies about manhood that I had believed deeply 
as uh, a 19 year old freshman at Penn State. The first was that uh, that my toughness and skill in football was a validation of my manhood. And um, uh, that was very important to me. Um, but I but it it led to a deep insecurity because I needed every week to have teammates and coaches point out, Leo, wow, you know, great job on Saturday. Wow, were you physical? Were you tough out there? Um, I needed it every practice. Um, I needed that validation, and and it produced a deep insecurity. The second uh, lie about manhood that I was believing deeply was that, that women and sexual conquest would be a validation of my manhood. And, and I got that clearly from my exposure to pornography. And um, in pornography, you create this kind of fantasy world in your mind, and, and you are the star. You are the man in that fantasy world. And uh, so women were for my sexual conquest at Penn State, uh, I gave myself to sexual promiscuity in a big way in that freshman year and for better part of uh, that first semester, my sophomore year. But again, I, that that was that was producing uh, an emptiness in me and a deep conviction that that I was living a life in opposition to to God's desire for me. The third area. The third lie that that I had also uh, really given a lot of prominence was that if I could have the emblems of success, um, of uh, wealth and um, a, a big car and a nice house and, and that kind of material success, that would be a validation of my manhood. Uh, I knew a few guys... Um, from Penn State who had come back and they were in the NFL. And so I was looking to the NFL uh, for that kind of fulfillment. I, I was on a full scholarship. I worked summers and always had money in my pocket, but I was really looking forward to the payday of the NFL for that validation of my manhood. Sounds like that would actually solve somewhat all three, right? I mean, you'd still have the sports and the strength the first lie uh you'd have the wealth and the money and you know you'd also probably have the admiration of some women if you made it to the nfl so that was a a a goal that could achieve all these lies absolutely yeah that's absolutely true chris and it was it was in that experience of of emptiness and disillusionment uh that i i was achieving many of my goals but yet those goals left me empty. I, I remember even my senior year in high school standing on the, the platform and getting my gold medal for the state championship in wrestling. And and no sooner had they put that medal around my my neck and I stood up on that platform and began hearing the cheers that I said to myself, this this isn't what I thought it would be. I this isn't the validation to my manhood that that I had looked to. Um, 
And so in my freshman year at Penn State, uh, Coach Paterno, um, he called me into his office and he said, Leo, I believe you have a drinking problem. Uh, the coaches and I have talked about it. We see the way you practice on Thursdays and then the strength coaches see your lack of intensity and effort uh, in your lifting appointment on Sunday. And we believe that that you're drinking hard on Wednesday nights and Saturday nights. And um, that kind of binge drinking is is killing you. Your grades are terrible. Coach said, when I brought you here, you were an A student in high school. I thought you'd be a leader for me. I thought you'd be a real student athlete. And um, and drinking is going to derail any of those goals uh, that you set for yourself. And he put me in a 10-week class on alcoholism and alcohol abuse. And uh, in that class, I really learned uh, a great deal about this very self-destructive pattern uh, that was emerging in my life. And at that same time, I was beginning uh, to take close notice of a group of Christians on that football team. Um, There was about uh, 12 to 15 guys who, who met every week um, who had a love for one another, uh, who prayed with one another, who uh, built their their huddle around the Word of God. And uh, Matt Millen was one of those guys, and he lived on my dorm floor. And uh, Matt had taken me under his wing early on um, when I got to Penn State, and I looked up to him tremendously. He He was a great football player. Uh, and one of the strongest guys on the team could bench press over 500 pounds. Wow. And and uh, he was a legit tough guy. I mean, in Oklahoma drill, he was the guy who kind of put everybody to shame. But more than that, he, he had this uh, unashamed identification with Christ. And I, I needed to see a man's man who loved Jesus. Um, the Apostle Paul in, in Romans 1.16, he wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And um, I saw in Matt that, that unashamed identification uh, with, with the gospel. Um, and um, he would carry his Bible uh, on huddle night and into the locker room and he would invite different guys to the huddle and he'd take a lot of abuse for it. Uh, we, we called the Christians God squatters on the team. And, uh, but I being on his dorm floor, we would have these, these discussions, um, in the Bible late, you know, late into the evening, many nights. And, and, um, I, I had read the, the little book um, by Hal Lindsey, Late Great Planet Earth, and I had a lot of questions about the Lord's second coming. And um, uh, I really felt that I was in a place of judgment before God uh, because of the way I, I was living. I didn't really understand at that point that I didn't have faith. I, I guess I believed because of my church attendance and that I would say, 
yeah, Christmas is important. You know, Easter resurrection is important. I suppose I believed I had faith, but yet I knew that the judgment of God was really upon me for the, the way that I was living. And uh, Matt used to read to me from the book of Revelation. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I began to ask questions um, about what it meant to to be saved. What was salvation all about? That That if Christ offered salvation to us freely as a gift of grace, what did that mean? And how could I receive that salvation? And um, I remember the discussion and, and um, Matt said, well, Wiz, you, you've got to begin with an understanding that you're a sinner. You and I are, are both sinners. And um, the root of our sin is unbelief. And yes, we, we do a lot of things that are sinful, but at the core of that is this unbelief. You, you have rejected God's only provision, only remedy for your sin in Jesus Christ, his son. And I said, well, what do you mean, Matt? I mean, I, I've gone to church and, and you know, I, 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 I believe these things about Christ and Christmas and Easter. And he said, well, no. And he said, faith is, is more than just an intellectual kind of agreement with things about God. Faith moves from your head to your heart. It, it travels at 18 inches where you place your personal trust and reliance upon Jesus, who was the God-man who died uh, and took the penalty of sin in your place, you have got to have a heart trust and belief and reliance upon Christ alone as Savior and Lord. And... Um, he shared with me uh, Romans 3.23, um, for there is no difference, um, uh, neither Jew uh, nor Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, uh, 6.23a, which says that the wages of sin is death. And so Matt explained that, that the standard whereby all of us will be judged is the glory of God. And that glory has been revealed in Christ, his son. Only Christ can bridge that infinite separation. And uh, he shared with me um, the second part of, of Romans 6.23, um, that the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So though the payment for our sin is this eternal separation from God, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. And then he said, Leo, right here in Romans, he had me read the passages in Romans 5, 8, says that God, that is God the Father, demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the father loved us so much that he sent his one and only son. And, and Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, he went to the cross willingly. And uh, 
I love what it says in John 10 there in Jesus' words that that um, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Uh, my Father, who is greater than all, has given me authority to lay it down and to take it up again. And so the cross, to me, for the first time, I understood was was God's divine plan for the remedy of my sin and separation from God. And um, then Maddie shared with me that that to receive then that gift, to cross the bridge, right, um, to be united with a holy God through Christ, I had to repent and believe. And um, he shared with me a little verse in Mark, uh, Mark 1.15, where Jesus said, um, uh, the time is now fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe the good news. And uh, Jesus um, uh, had fulfilled all that the prophets had spoken. Um, and, and the kingdom of God was soon through the cross and resurrection to be inaugurated. The kingdom was now here in the person of Jesus. And that inauguration of the kingdom was going to happen in the cross and resurrection. And, and for us to be united with God, we must repent and believe Christ's good news message. Um, Maddie said that repentance, Leo, it means that you have got to turn from your sin, your, um, your unbelief in Christ and, and your sinful life, which is all about you being on the throne of your heart. So you need to turn 180 and embrace Christ and the cross, trusting him as your savior and allowing him to take over the throne of your heart as Lord. And, um, and I, the Lord had been preparing me, but yet I, 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 I was fearful. I was fearful that I couldn't, I couldn't live out the Christian faith. I wanted it at that moment, but I, I thought I'm just going to, I'm going to be that guy who has an emotional experience, but, but flounders and falls away. And, uh, I went, um, home for the summer in Houston and they had challenged me to read the gospel of John. And so I read it and reread it. And um, the person of Christ just came alive to me in that gospel. And Jesus' love and revelation of the Father really came to me powerfully as I read and, and, and studied in a way, though I, no one was teaching me how to study it. I, I was so hungering the word of God that I think I read it six or seven times that summer. And um, I re- remember that I was led to a little verse in, in John 1, 12, which um, uh, says that um, to as many as believed in him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even unto those who believed on his name. And, um, and Matt, when I went back 
Matt shared with me that 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 believing on the name of Christ is to believe on the person of Christ and his powerful and mighty works. And his mighty works for me were in the cross where he defeated sin and death and the devil so that I could be united to my heavenly father through the sacrifice of Christ and be made a son of God, a son of God. Um, I got down on my knees in a dirty old locker room at Texas A&M University, that opening game, September 7 of 1980. And I got um, away from the team about two hours before kickoff. And I prayed a simple prayer of commitment. And I prayed, Heavenly Father, I believe you sent your one and only son, Jesus, who was the God man. And that he lived a life without sin and went to the cross to pay the penalty of my sin once for all time. And I believe, Father, that Jesus was Savior and Lord and that you raised him from the dead on the third day. And I pray now that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit power and make me the man of God that you created me to be. Make me that son of God that you promised in your word I could become. And that was a very powerful moment for me. I was flooded with uh, emotion. But more than that, this deep sense of the Holy Spirit's presence in my heart. Um, I felt the weight of sin lifted from me. And um, I had a joy. Uh, the emptiness of my heart was replaced with this deep joy. And I was in a battle for a starting job and lost that battle. Um, and that AM game, I had a whole bunch of my family there because they had moved from Pittsburgh to Houston. And you know what? None of that mattered. All of my um, competition uh, with men, which was what all those lies were about, the, the three lies of manhood was about my endless competing with men. And, and in that moment of, of trust and faith in Christ and the, the Holy Spirit uniting my heart to my heavenly father, knowing him as a son of God through Christ, his son, that, that competition in me, it just, it just left me. Um, and, um, now, I still had a heart to, to compete as a football player, but my the, the endless kind of deep insecurity of, of needing the validation of, of teammates and coaches, it, it left me and he replaced it with this peace of Christ. So amazing because you, you talk about, you talked multiple times before about all those three lies trying to fill an emptiness that you constantly felt. I dealt with something similar, that same emptiness. And then you talked instantly when you, you know, accepted Christ, invited him into your life, how you felt full, you know, and I think that a lot of people deal with that. Um, I, I wanted to ask you a question. You know, you, you talked about these three lies. Um, there's a scripture in First John 2.16 that talks about all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It seems like it really lines up with that. And and, and, and you seemed beaten down about that. And it, it almost created, it sounds like more emptiness as you as you, you know, would live those, would live out what 
you know, those lies. Um, and you said you came to you came to a point where you believed in Jesus, but you felt you could not live up to that, you know, and, and you might fail as a Christian. Can you talk? There may be someone listening to this who feels like, you know, I, I believe in what you're saying. I believe that Jesus did die for my sins, but I'm not going to live up to that. Can you talk about why that's not important for us to worry about that and, and what he does in us? Yeah, I I think that that, um, that fear, um, in a way, um, it, it can be um, a, a reverent fear, yeah. you know, um, and it can lead us to, to look deeper at the supernatural um, facet of what the gospel truly is. Because um, uh, the gift of faith is a miracle. Mm-hmm. And um, even the repentance that we are called to express uh, is also called the gift of God. Yes. In Acts eleven eighteen, it says there that the disciples uh, rejoice that the Gentiles also had been given the repentance that leads to life. So even our repentance has to be preceded by the Holy Spirit action and conviction in us. And um, so so this this work of grace and and it's it's Christ's work of grace in us. We we just need to to be um, comforted by the word to know that 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 work of grace is something that 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 Christ will uh, demonstrate in us, just as we trust Him and walk with Him, and uh, that transformation is from the inside out. I felt like I couldn't live up to this kind of holy standard that I saw in those Christians' lives on the Penn State team. A lot of the guys had made a commitment to sexual purity and they just, they seem like such good, good people. And I had a deep sense of my sin and I, I was fearful that I I couldn't live up to that standard. Those guys took me into the word to help me to, to see that um, like Galatians two 20, you know, that, that I have been crucified with Christ and yet not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's what the first part of that verse yes, says. Yes. So they, they begin to tell me, Leo, look, in the mystery of the gospel, your sin nature is put to death in the cross. And so not only does Christ die for the penalty of your sin once for all, um, but he also died there to break the power of sin in your life. And he's not going to leave you now after saving you to live the Christian life in your power, he's going to give you his mighty Holy Spirit and he's going to work the transformation from the inside out. He's going to change your desires. He's going to, he's going to put a heart in you for his word, um, for prayer, for, you know, uh, fellowship with the brothers. And he did that. He worked and give, gave me that new heart, put his spirit in me. And, um, and man, those things were inside out changes. Um, you know, in place of that, that sense of validation I sought from, from men and, and, uh, teammates in 
coaches of uh, in my toughness that was replaced with a, a deep desire to live a life pleasing to my heavenly father Thank you for listening today. I hope you were truly blessed. If you want more information about Testify It, please visit us at testifyit.com. That is T-E-S-T-I-F-Y-I-T dot com. Also, if you'd like more information about Locking Arms Men, please visit them at lockingarmsmen.org. That is L-O-C-K-I-N-G. A-R-M-S-M-E-N dot org. Do you have a testimony to share? We would love to hear from you. Just go to testify.com, fill out the testimony form. You can find it at the bottom of any page on the site. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and truly want one, call out to him today. Decide to give over your life, surrendering it to him, and choose to follow him. He has already paid the price for your sins with his death on the cross. He was raised on the third day and will give you his everlasting life with him. You will be born again and he will place his Holy Spirit within you. Until next time, remember, you are loved by God and he deeply desires a relationship with you.